Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Uh, last week, if you were with us, uh, I hope you were. If not, I hope you tuned in online. Uh, we started a brand new series that we're calling Soul Care. And I shared with you uh, last week um, that one of the just burdens that's been on my heart as your pastor over the last, specifically the last three years, it probably goes back before pandemic and all that nonsense, but that's when it really, really started to weigh on me. Um, my, this burden has been on my heart has been to see just how tired and worn out and fried, I love that word, fried people seem to be. And especially us people who follow Jesus, us people who have a promise of rest, if we'll take it from Jesus. And so what we've noticed and what I'm trying to communicate through this series is that our soul, which is our, our inmost being, the part of us that connects with God, our souls are worn out. And so we're doing this series called Soul Care because we need to learn how to care for our souls because if we lose our souls, we lose our connection to God. We lose our ability to communicate well with God, to, to have a relationship with God if we lose our souls, if our souls just get too busy or too tired or too worn out or too fried to be able to do that. Now, I anticipated, um, when I brought the sermon last week, I anticipated there was going to be some response from some of you about this. I underestimated what that response would be and how much response there was going to be. And so I appreciate those of you who have reached out to me this week, text, emails, some phone calls. Um, you've seen me places just thank me for the series. You're like, this is what I needed to hear. I can't believe that, that you're doing this. this. is exactly what I needed. I've sent this to friends, and I appreciate that if that's you. Um, I just want to say to all of you, in light of that, if, if you feel that tiredness, that worn outness, that friedness, friedness is not even a word, but it is today, friedness in your soul, I want you to know you're not alone. You're sitting in a room full of people, and the guy standing up front's with you too. We all seem to be there right now. That's why this has been such a burden for me, because we are all dealing with this. Here's the deal. Our souls are not tired just because we're, you know, we're going through a season. We like to tell ourselves that lie. Oh, it's just a season once we get through school, once the school year's over, once, once this big project at work is over, then I'll have some time, then we'll be okay. It's not a season. Our souls are tired because we have accepted as normal a way of life, a lifestyle that is toxic to our souls. So the goal of this series, and we've got today and two more weeks after today, we're going to be talking about this very specifically. The goal of this series is not to produce shame. It's not to say to you, that's not it. The goal of this series is to, is to redirect the blame. We're not supposed to do that, but we're going to redirect the blame and put the blame where it's supposed to be, and instead we're going to accept Jesus' invitation to do life differently, to do life in such a way we can care for our souls. That's why Jesus invited us in Matthew chapter 11. It says, come to me. All of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, say this line with me, and I will give you rest. Say it again with me. I will give you rest. We want that. We need that. Our souls are begging us for that. Jesus goes on. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find, say it with me, you will find rest for your souls. Jesus knows your soul is tired. He knows. 
So he says, let me teach you. Let me teach you a better way to live. Let me teach you a way of life. Which, if Jesus says, let me teach you, that implies that we're going to have to learn, right? We're going to have to learn some things. We're going to have to start doing some things differently if we want healthy, rested, not fried souls. And what Jesus taught isn't, it wasn't just with exhortation. It wasn't just with words. Jesus teaches us with example. He shows us a way to live. That's why last week I said, if you want the life of Jesus, you're going to have to start practicing the lifestyle of Jesus. And one of the most consistent rhythms of Jesus' life, one of the things that Jesus did every week in his life to help maintain and keep his soul healthy was the practice of the, of the observation of the word is Sabbath. S-A-B-B-A-T-H is a Hebrew word. It means rest. It's like a, a moment to rest. It's an intentional time of rest. So today we're going to just explore this concept, this idea, and what does it mean to receive God's gift of Sabbath. Now some of you will remember the 1989 classic film from Cameron Crowe that starred John Cusack. The film is called Say Anything. Anybody remember this film? One of my all-time favorite films, you know, the jukebox and the, love this movie. There's a line in this movie that I adore. And it's a line that we have adopted in our house. They're at this party and this kid has just, he is blitzed out of his mind. And finally John Cusack character catches him. Come and see the next slide because got, I've got this the picture. Catches him and he yells at him, I have hidden your keys because he's so drunk he can't drive. And he just says to him, you must chill. <laughs> I love it. We say this to our children all the time. <laughs> we say this to our dog all the time. We say this to each other in my house all the time. You must chill. You ever been that? I think God is wanting to say to us when this idea of Sabbath, this is, this is God's way of saying to you and to me, you must chill. You must chill. So let me stay, say at the start, when we talk about Sabbath, especially in, on this side of the cross, on this side of the Old Testament law, we're, we're using this word Sabbath, don't think about Sabbath so much as a day. Now the Jewish people, they observed Sabbath. It was a day that they observed. We're not going to get legalistic like that. We're going to think instead of a day, Sabbath is going to be a way, a, an orientation of our lives, a way we're going to live, a lifestyle, maybe that's a better word, a lifestyle. Here's how we're going to work our lives. We're going to do our lives the way that God says we're best designed to do them. We're going to, Sabbath is an orientation that God has built into creation himself. A way of saying to you and to me, you must chill. You've got to chill. You need to know. This is interesting to me. I think you need to know this. You need to know that every ancient people group, every ancient religion, every ancient people group had a creation story. Every group of people, and this is, this is still true, has a story of how, how do we get here? Ever, ever since the beginning of time, every group of people, every tribe, every nation, every culture, they have tried to answer two questions. Question number one is, how did we get here? And question number two is, why are we here? Every religion, every people group, every culture has tried to answer these two questions. How did we get here? And why are we here? The difference between the Genesis narrative, Genesis is the first book of, of your Bible, that's the narrative we kind of cling to. The difference between the Genesis narrative and the ancient people's narrative, the other narratives of creation, is stark. And here's what I mean. For one thing, the Genesis narrative, the one that you and I read in the book of Genesis, the Genesis narrative is the only ancient creation narrative that says that matter and the human body are good, not evil. 
All the others say, we're evil and we're going to try to be good. The, the scripture says, the Genesis narrative says, the, the God narrative says, you're good. Try not to be evil instead. Genesis, the Genesis narrative, this is very, I think, very interesting. The Genesis narrative is the only creation story where women are created equal image bearers to God as men. Every other ancient culture treats, does not treat women that way. No other ancient story treats women that way. The Genesis narrative says men and women were created equally in God's image, as image bearers of God. Now, the third thing, and this is what we're going to talk about today, and I think this is really important. Genesis is the only creation narrative that says you are more, you are more than just how much you can work. Remember the two questions? How did we get here? And why are we here? All the ancient narratives, all the other religions of the past said, you were made by the gods, little g, gods, you were made by the gods to work for the gods. You were made to accomplish by working yourself to the bone the wishes and the agendas of God. And there is nothing in any other ancient creation narrative about a day off or about caring if you need to rest or about caring for yourself. You were made, in all the other narratives, you were made to be a slave for the gods. And then you get to Genesis. Then we get to the creation story that's in the scripture. And men and women, humankind, is crea are created on the sixth day of creation. All right, do the math with me. If we were created, humans were created on the sixth day, what is the first, what number of day of the week, what number is the first full day of human beings' existence? Seven, right? You did the math. You added six plus one is Seven. My dog can do this math. Ready? Seven. All right. What happened on the seventh? Do you remember the creation story? What happened on the seventh day? The seventh day was the day that God rested. So think about this. The whole assignment for human beings on their first full day of creation was to take a nap, was to rest. That's the way God built us to rest and to enjoy the fellowship with our creator. Notice how the seventh day is described. This is Genesis chapter two. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he, say this word out loud with me, rested from all his work. Then, I love this part, then God blessed the seventh day and made it, say this word with me, holy. Hold on to that word for just a second. Because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. If you go back and you read Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and you read through the creation account as it's recorded for us in the book of Genesis, you read at the end of each day, God, first day one, God created this, day two, God created this, day three, God created this, get all the way to day six, God created people. At the end of every day, Remember what God said about what he had done? He looked at what he had done. He looked at all he had accomplished, and he called it, the word is good. Created the, the land and the sea, good. The stars, and the, uh, the, stars and, the, and the planet, good. He created the fish and the birds, good. Created animals, good. Plants, good. People, he said, very good. Created humans, he said, very good. But notice what he does on the seventh day. It's not good. 
The day of rest is, what's the word I just held you to hold on to? Holy. I had never noticed that before this week. I had never picked up on that. There's something, there's got to be something to that. The holy day was the seventh day, the day that God rested. What does that mean? Because God doesn't get tired, does he? Well, no, no, of course not. What God is doing, God is intentionally grounding his creation in an orientation. God himself is modeling how he intends for his creation to function. Which is why when we get to the book of Exodus, a couple of thousand years later, and God is giving his Ten Commandments to Moses, and Moses takes the Ten Commandments down and gives God's law, the Ten Commandments, to the people. And when Moses talks about Sabbath, this day of rest, this idea of rest, he didn't bring up a new thing to them. This wasn't a new idea. Moses says, we're going to go back, all the way back to the way that it was supposed to be at the beginning. Look what he says, Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it, here's that word again, holy. Holy. Skip down to verse 11. He goes on. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he, say this word with me, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Like I said, no other creation narrative is like this. That humans get to rest. That we exist for a purpose besides slaving for the gods. The, the God of the Bible gives Sabbath to us because our souls need rest to be their best. This is how God established things from the very beginning. Our souls need rest to be their best. Think about this. Where did all of the peoples of the world, all through all time, where did all the peoples of the world come up with the idea of a seven-day week? Think about it like this. All other units of our time are tied to the heavens, right? We decide a day is tied to the revolution of the globe. That's one day. We decide a month is tied to the moon's lunar cycle. We decide a year is, is tied to the rotation or the orbit of the planet around the sun. But where do we come up with the idea that seven days is a week? That you need to work six days, but by then, if you don't rest, things aren't going to go well for you. Where do we come up with that idea? It is built into the creation. Built into creation is a principle. Rest on every seven days. Some have tried to defy it. Back in the 1790s, during the French Revolution, the French Revolution, they decided, hey, we're going to get rid of God. We don't think we need God anymore. We're going to get rid of God. And so they said, we're going to get rid of the seven-day week because we think that's a God thing. We're going to go to a 10-day week, work week because we think 10 days will be more effective than seven. It'll be more productive. Work nine days, rest one day. That was the theory. Immediately, immediately production declined. And so did physical and mental health. And what they learned is you can ignore God, but you cannot ignore the way he set up creation to work. Think about this. You lived this lockdown thing two and a half years ago. You were part of it. Do you remember the stories coming out about, especially in cities like L.A., where suddenly the air's clean? 
because people weren't driving to work. Why weren't they driving to work? Because we were forced to Sabbath during the lockdown. Creation responded, bounced back, because that's the way creation is designed to work. Some of you are old enough to remember when our society generally cooperated with this idea of weekly rest. Some of you are old enough to remember when you couldn't go shopping on a Sunday because the stores were closed. Now Chick-fil-A is the only weird one, right? <laughs> now I still get mad at Chick-fil-A when I pull into it on a Sunday afternoon and they're closed. I played a lot of youth sports as a kid, a lot of youth sports. I never played or practiced on a Sunday. I remember when it was taboo. I remember it was my mom yelling at me because I wanted to go mow the yard on a Sunday. You can't mow on a Sunday. It was taboo to even mow your yard on a Sunday. Now we have a new normal. And the new normal is every single day you should do and do and do and do and do and do and do until your soul is done. And the new normal, we talked about this last week, the new normal is toxic. It's killing us. So we go along to get along. I, I get it. I do too. But our souls are not designed to flourish at that kind of pace that we have normalized because the Sabbath principle is built into creation. Jesus never saw Sabbath as a rule. Jesus never saw Sabbath as some dutiful thing that you have to obey. Jesus saw Sabbath as a gift. A gift from a good God to the children he loves because he wants his children to flourish. Because he knows what's best for his kids. That's how we should see it too. So let me challenge you this morning a little bit to, to rethink a little bit about what Sabbath is like. I'm going to give you three purposes of Sabbath and I hope you'll take some, some of this home with you. Here's the first one. Sabbath is a command to relax. It's a command to relax that God expects us to intentionally create some space, some margin in our lives to enjoy what we have instead of always striving for more. God wants us to spend at least one day a week at the speed of stop. And it is grounded in a profound theological truth that I'm about to share with you. And to share it, I need to talk about one of my favorite movies. This movie called Rudy. Remember this movie, Rudy? Great story, inspiration story about a young man named Rudy um, who tried to walk on and play football at Notre Dame. Beautiful story, great movie. There's a wonderful scene in the movie where this, this young man, Rudy, he's got some big decisions in front of him. He's, got, he's wrestling with some stuff, and he goes to see his priest for some advice, for some counsel. And the priest says to him in this movie something that's absolutely brilliant. He looks at Rudy and says, young man, I am certain of two things. There is a God, and I'm not him. And that's a profound truth. Sabbath is built on that truth. There is a God, and you can't be God. There is a God, and you can't be God. This goes all the way back to the beginning, to the original lie that Satan said to Adam and Eve in the garden. Well, why can't you be God? Why can't you be like God? Why can't you do whatever you want and be like God? God gets to do whatever you want. Why can't you do whatever you want and be like God? And we are dying by living that lie. Think about it like this. You want to bring someone in to speak to your employees or your clients or your, your classroom some motivational speaker. You've been in those things before. So you're going to hire somebody to come in and speak to your team. Who do you hire? You hire the person that sells the lie. Be all you can be. 
You can have it all. Reach for your highest potential. Nothing can stop you now. That's the person you hire. You don't hire the speaker who will come in and tell your clients and tell your staff, you are a creature and you have limits. You don't hear that guy. We don't want to hear that speech, do we? But that's the truth. I hate to be the one to tell you this, but you can't have it all. You can't do everything. You can't fix everybody. You can't fix everything. Let me just tell you, again, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you this, but there's some stuff on your bucket list that you're never going to do. You're just never going to get there. You, this is hard, but you are going to die with some of your projects unreached, undone, your goals unreached. You're welcome. Aren't you glad you came to church today? But God will still be on the throne. And the universe will still work even when you don't. I remember the day after my grandmother passed away. We had been living here in Ohio for just a couple of months at that point. And we got the news that night that many had died. And I remember waking up the next morning and looking out the window and seeing people drive to work. And I was mad. How dare they? Don't they know Nanny died? How dare the universe just keep working? On Sabbath, we hear the Spirit of God say, you must chill. Relax. Stop working. Not just physically, but in your mind and in your heart, because some of you leave the office, but you don't leave work behind. It's a command to relax. Here's number two, because chill doesn't necessarily mean still. Sabbath is an opportunity to replenish to care for ourselves. We are made in God's image, which means we are made to be creators. We are made to create. So all week long, we are creating. We need some space and some time after a week of creating to be recreated. We need to recreate. Sabbath is not about what you can't do. Sabbath is about the things that you get to do that you can't do the rest of the week. It's not about the takeaways. Sabbath is about the things that you get to add. It's, it's a time to discard the have-to-dos for the get-to-do. Sabbath is the day where you make time to see your friends. Sabbath is the day when you have a meal, not just any meal, but that meal of all the stuff your wife won't let you eat the rest of the week. <laughs> and you don't rush the meal. You, you enjoy it. You sit down. You slow down. That's Sabbath. Sabbath is the day when you pursue your, your, your hobby. The Talmud, which is the, the rabbinical, the ancient rabbinical interpretations of the law of Moses. So they took the, the, the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament law, the, the Jewish Bible, and then they added all this stuff to it. They call it the Talmud. It's the interpretation of the law. The Jewish rabbis commanded Jewish couples to make love on the Sabbath. Some of you just started listening for the first time today, didn't you? <laughs> you see, Sabbath is, not a, Sabbath is not a day for obligation, for the have-tos. Sabbath is a day for recreation. Last week, I surprised a bunch of you by quoting Ice Cube in my sermon. I was challenged to quote Alice Cooper this week. I couldn't figure it out. Sorry, Jan. So let me quote another one of my favorite 20th century philosophers, Winnie the Pooh, who said, don't underestimate the value of doing nothing. Don't underestimate the value of a day where you are not measuring your day by the metrics of production. 
Instead, you measure the value of the day by just what brings joy to your heart. There are some times when you need a day when the whole goal of the day, like Pooh Bear, is to just enjoy your pot of honey. So what is your pot of honey? What is it that makes your cup full? What delights your soul? For some of you, <laughs> some of you have told me this, it's taking a nap. You love that I asked you last week to go take a nap, and some of you took me up on that last Sunday. For somebody else, it's, it's taking a walk or going for a hike. For somebody, it's reading a book. Maybe for some of you, it's riding a bike. It might be for you grilling a steak. It might be tilling up a garden. Don't, don't be legalistic here. Don't judge anybody else. We all have ways that we fill our cups. Some of you work hard all week in physical labor, and your Sabbath needs to be you find a hammock. Some of you sit behind a screen all day, so your Sabbath needs to be you need to get outside and break a sweat. What brings you delight? Sabbath is a day, a way of life that is to be enjoyed. It's a day to enjoy God most of all, and that's the third thing. Sabbath is a time to remember because a forgetful soul is a restless soul. I'll tell you a day that we all Sabbathed. Some of you are old enough to remember this. A day that we all Sabbathed was 9-12, the day after 9-11. Remember that day? It's a Wednesday. We didn't go to work. We didn't go to school. We didn't answer emails. We didn't fly. We didn't shop. We hugged our families. We reached out to our friends. We even made up with some people that we needed to reconcile with. We put aside the urgent on 9-12 and focused on the important. Sabbath is the only one of the commandments that starts with the word remember. And one reason is because the whole primary function of Sabbath is to help us remember. To remember that our souls need time and space and margin to reorient around what is most important. Like Jesus did. Sabbath was important to Jesus. Luke 4 says Jesus traveled to Nazareth where he had grown up. He's going back to his hometown. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue as he always did. Part of the, the rhythm of the life of Jesus was to observe Sabbath. Sabbath reminds us that, that our story, it reminds us of where we get our identity. Sabbath reminds us that we're not what we do but we're who we are loved by. Sabbath reminds us to seek first the kingdom of God. All week long, we get harassed by the urgent. It's urgent that you answer that email. It's urgent that you take that call. It's urgent that you make that sell. It's urgent that you get that lesson plan done. We need a space every week where we step back, we separate ourselves from the urgent, and we remember what's most important. We need to push back from the narratives of our culture, and having a Sabbath orientation helps us do that. Sabbath declares that our value is not determined by our production. By Sabbath, we resist the narratives of our culture that says you are important based on your accomplishment or your accumulation. How much have you done? How much have you acquired? God wants us to live out from under the pressure of our culture because our culture, every week, our culture says, Work more, buy more, repeat. Work more, buy more, repeat. 
work more, buy more, repeat. Work more, buy more, repeat. And listen, it will just wear out your soul. You'll be fried. You see, Sabbath was never a rule. It was a refuge. It was a gift. It was God inviting us into a life of freedom from all the exhausting narratives out there that everyone calls normal. God gave us Sabbath to save our souls. Now listen to me, this is important. You will not drift accidentally. You will not drift into a pace of life that honors Sabbath. You have to do it intentionally. Now, I'm going to be really, really candid with you for just a minute. I had this in my notes last week, and I skipped it. I chickened out. I'm not going to do it this week. Here's my concern about this sermon series. My concern is this, that I'm going to preach these sermons that I've worked hard on. I'm going to preach these sermons, and 100% of my audience in this room and online, 100% of my audience is going to agree with me. Yes, our souls are tired. Yes, we're fried. 100% of you are going to agree with me. 98% of you are going to agree, here are some things we can do to help ourselves. Here are some steps we can take. Here's a way we can do it differently. 98, not all of you, 98% of you are going to agree, yeah, we could do that. That would make things better. Here's my concern. Maybe 1% of you, maybe 1%, let me say it like this. Maybe 1% of us, I'll put myself in this bucket too. Maybe 1% of us are actually going to have the courage to do anything different in our lives. So what are we going to do with this lesson? One thing we're not going to do is beat ourselves up. Because I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty. There's a time for that. That's not today. I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty. But we've got to do something, Right? So I believe there are ways that we could take one day a week and make it different than the other days. And let me remind you, Sabbath is not about a specific day. It's a way. It's a way to live, a way to think, a lifestyle, an orientation. We think about it like this. So for a moment, I'm going to get real practical. Let me just some, suggest some steps that we might take to help get us into that orientation. Like worshiping corporately every week. That's a part of it. Jesus did. And, you know, if there was ever anyone on the history of people who could say, you know, I don't need to get together with other people in order to worship God, it was Jesus, because he was God's son. He didn't need to do that, but guess what? He still did it. Every week, he gathered with other people to worship God. You can make that a priority, to set aside time every week to meet with other people, to worship God, to separate the urgent from the important. How about this? Being intentional about being off work. There's a time to turn off the lights, shut down the computer, and go home. And be fully present with the people that you love and let work wait until tomorrow. How about this? How about making space in your calendar every week? Making space in your calendar every week to do something that just fills your cup. And you put it on the calendar, and it's a non-negotiable. It's a priority. Nothing bumps it, because it's to take care of you and your soul. And you don't feel guilty because, you know, you decided to go fishing for a couple hours, because you had it built into your calendar. You don't feel guilty because you got a good workout in, or you took a nap. 
Or what if, what if you learned to take pauses every day? You just took a moment and just still your spirit before a meal, before you get out of bed, before you walk into a meeting, just to take a couple deep breaths and just be still for just a moment. What if you created tech-free times and zones? I know families that say, one day a week, we don't do screens. There'd be a mutiny at my house, but maybe that's a good idea. What if you said, no more phone with me at a meal? I can sit down at this table without my phone, and for the next 45 minutes, I can let the person in front of me, the people around the table with me, be the most important thing. <laughs> what if you put your phone to bed two hours before you went to bed? Or for that matter, what if you just went to bed earlier? God did not create the Late Late Show. <laughs> Don't feel guilty that you can't keep the ideal Sabbath, but listen. Do something. But before you do everything, do something. Make a decision. I'm going to make at least one change in my way of doing life this week to take better care of my soul. Because remember, this is not a season. It's a lifestyle. And Jesus wants to teach us. He wants to teach us how to do life differently. You know, when someone dies, we say things like, well, God rest her soul. Listen, you don't have to wait until you die for your soul to get some rest. You really can live that way. So do something for me now. Just go ahead and bow your heads. We're going we're gonna to practice what I preach. If our community team will go ahead and take their places, get ready to serve us communion in a minute. We're going to take a couple of moments to just rest and be still. So bow your head. And I want you to take two or three really deep breaths. Just... Just intentionally, just take those deep breaths and just rest for just a moment. I want you to rest in God's love for you. You don't have to work to earn God's love. You don't have to strive to earn God's approval. It's who you are. It is your core identity. You are loved by God and you don't have to do anything for him to love you. So just rest in that, that truth for a moment. Let that truth bless your soul. Thank you, God, for who you are. All the other gods wanted humans just to use. And from the very beginning, you created us to flourish and to be blessed. God, it must, it must break your heart to see us living lives that are so fried, so tired, so, so different, so far away from what you wanted for us. So give us the courage to make some changes.
to receive your gifts instead of resisting it. So Jesus, we take you up on your offer. We would like some rest for our souls. So we are listening. We are learning. Teach us what we need to do. We thank you and pray in your name.